So before we start this episode, I just wanted to let you know about the retreat I'm going to teach very shortly, well in October, at Purple Valley Yoga in Goa, alongside my very special guest, Edwin Bryant. So it's a two weeks retreat, both weeks there'll be a Mysore class in the morning, every morning, and the first week I'll be there teaching asana workshops in the afternoons, the second week Edwin will take the reins for his knowledge and philosophy, including going through his well-known book on the yoga sutras in person. Further than that, Purple Valley Yoga Goa is generally great. A lovely shala, great food, wonderful staff, and set on a beautiful grounds with a pool. So I'm sure you're going to have a great time. See www.keyonyoga for uh, details or go to yogagoa.com as well. I hope to see you there. This episode of the Keen on Yoga podcast is sponsored by Moments, the system we use and highly recommend to take bookings for classes, workshops, courses, retreats, and appointments, either in person, online, or hybrid. We also use Moments for our memberships and on-demand video library. It lets us take payments by Stripe, PayPal, bank transfer, or cash, and manage deposits and payment plans. If you have a studio, you can run your teacher payroll through Moments, and the robust reporting frees you up to focus on the more creative side of things. Moments is super easy for you and your customers to use, and best of all, if you get stuck, they have live support by chat, phone, and email. We've partnered with Moments to offer you a free two-month trial. For more information, click on the link in the description below or visit keenonyoga.com forward slash moments to book a demo and quote Keen on Yoga. And now on to the episode. Today I want to talk about can you teach postures you can't do? Well, it seems like a small topic, but it's not because I've known so many teachers push and push themselves to injury, past injury, just for the sake of asserting their position as teachers because you're always going to have more able people than yourself in your own class, right? So therefore takes a really confident, grounded, in themselves teacher to be able to teach someone with more ability than themselves and still feel confident, justified, valued in that role of a teacher. And that's going to happen to you again and again, especially as you get older and you have younger people in the class, because as you know, you lose a great deal of collagen and elastin after, well, pretty much after your teens really so it's a downward slope after 20 certainly and certainly after 40 so inevitably you're going to be in the case sooner or later where you're teaching poses that you can't do anymore or even that you haven't done right and is that okay you know are you a fraud for doing so is the basic question here now the long and short of it or my short answer is no You're not a fraud whatsoever. You can teach postures to more advanced students than yourself. Because, well, the cliche answer is yoga is not about the posture. But that's simply a get-out clause as well. First of all, though, I would say that your position as a teacher is not framed in your physical ability necessarily. Of course, you have to have reached some degree of experience of the postures, right? But... What it's framed in is a commitment to practice over years, right? And like a thoroughness, I feel, maybe not even just with asana, right? 
the thoroughness and looking at other modalities within the yoga gamut, let's say, whether it's chanting that's your thing or a little bit of study of yoga philosophy, meditation, but having a commitment to yoga in a deeper manner than just simply asana and having a commitment, a steady commitment, an unswerving commitment over the years is really what justifies you as a teacher to students who have better physical ability than you. And that's, as I said, inevitable. It's going to happen, right? And if it doesn't happen, there's a problem and you probably should slow down. (laughs) Because everyone has certain genetic propensities, right? And just because you got into yoga, it doesn't mean that your genetic propensities are the best, right? And I really want to emphasize the point that we don't need to be the best in the class to be the one teaching it, right? Because this has caused yoga teachers so much pain mentally and physically and so much defensiveness in the classroom and holding students back even because they haven't wanted to accept that the method of yoga is not really in the postures or perhaps they haven't got anything else of themselves to offer the student other than the physical asana and claiming that they're the teacher because they've done the most asanas. But this is a very low aiming definition of a yoga teacher, in my opinion. Yes, we're not a therapist, nor are we a spiritually enlightened guru, probably. But we're also something more than just a glorified gym teacher, right? We're something more. There's a motivating force. There's that we're the holder of a a kind of space for the student, a support for the student, a consistent support that will be there in a non-judgmental way, in a non-emotional way, right? Because support they might have in the family sense, for example, but it's always got strings attached. But we're a very, very unique kind of thing in this modern day role of a yoga teacher because we're, in the best case, a support that's a kind of an objective or a non-attached support and non-attached attachment right we're non-attached in the way that we relate to the student but yet we're attached and interested in a heartfelt way in the way that we relate to a human being and there's something very special about that because usually there's support with strings attached or there's no support and you're in the big wide world (laughs) but here in the room You've got something different potentially. But not when the teacher is simply obsessed with being the best at performing gymnastics. That's something else, right? And it's a shame that it's become a big deal for many people that they have to assert their position just by being the best, especially because the best practitioner usually isn't the best teacher. Often the best teacher is someone that struggled with the postures someone that's actually really had to go through it and learn how to do them and learn technique of how to do them. There's many people I've known, especially in Mysore when I was practicing in India, that were incredibly talented physically, but didn't really know how they'd done the posture. Couldn't explain it to me when I was asking for tips, etc. They just did it. And I imagine when I asked them how they taught it as well, because that was similar to what they told me, that um, very little in terms of technique was offered because they'd never had to learn the technique. The body had just done it. So I know it's a cliche, but the best teachers 
aren't usually the best practitioners. Right? The best practitioners are people that have really had to put the work in. For example, I had to do that with the strength stuff. So I really can teach, I think, <laughs> the strength work, jump through, back, and all the arm balancing and all that kind of stuff. Much better than I can do the, teach the back bends because they came quite naturally, the back bends to me. So I really had to think about how to teach them and learn the what tightnesses people had because I never had those challenges or tightnesses to try and understand or unpick, right? So we've not had the thing. It's like, actually, the experience of the posture isn't so necessary as the experience of tightness, of not being able to do the posture in a way, right? We say, you know, the whole question, I suppose, is stacked on the idea that you need to have experienced the feeling of the posture. Well, actually, to have not experienced, to experience the feeling of the obstacle to the posture is equally, if not more, important in the first place. Anyway, moving on. Why can you, how can you teach it? Or why can you teach a posture that you haven't done, right? You have, maybe you haven't even tried it. Maybe, maybe you know that the postures now, or the student has picked them up, right? And you can't do them, or you've not even done them. The student is still in your class. Can you help them? Or do you have to just ignore them now? Of course you can. How? Well, look at it this way. All the series is, are like, they're like templates that they get. And imagine like a, I think it's correct to say like a stencil. And then there's a harder one that's overlaid over the first template. And a harder one that's stenciled over the, the second template. And a harder one that's stenciled over the third template. But they all kind of originate the drawing is developed but it's all originated from the same root now i hope you understand that metaphor but basically what i'm saying is look at the postures in the primary series and then we find for example or even the standing postures we find for example pars vakanasana as a standing posture the long side stretch well if you learn how to do that one now you know vashistasana the uh, advanced a Second arm balance, right? Very similar, if you understand that. Um, if you understand Trikonasana, now you've really got the, the rudiments for Vishvamitrasana, advanced days, first arm balance, right? If you understand Triangmukha, Ikapada, Paschimottanasana, I know that's a handful. That's the, uh, oh, where is it? The, the uh, third uh, posture, I think, um, <laughs> I'm trying to count, in the primary series, one leg forward, one leg bent back. Then you understand the rudiments of say, Ikapadabhakasana, right? And that's not a far stretch. If you understand Janushishasana A, then in the second series, the intermediate series, to correlate that, you've got the more advanced version where instead of the hip stretch just by the groin, the leg is behind the head in Ikapadashishasana. So it's just the quality, understanding the quality or the essence of the posture that actually is necessary. If you don't understand the essence of the posture in the first series and you carry on doing the series and you can make the shapes, but you don't understand the root of the shape in the first place, then you can't really teach anything but put your hand here and put your leg here, right? In terms of, and that's how often the teaching is framed, unfortunately, especially in the more advanced stuff, which is really hard to teach the advanced stuff because the dyna dynamism, say, of the posture itself gets in the way of any possible talking about technique. So we can't really teach the advanced series anyways. Right? Nevertheless, 
if there is any teaching to be done with the advanced, you know, which is hard to gain, you know, it's hard to get into. It's much easier to teach the the the, uh, the technique, which is if we're talking about teaching technique, we talk about the primary series really. But if you know the primary series well, the standing, the seated, and the uh, backbends closing, then you pretty much any other posture is a variation in quantity from the original quality or the essence of those postures. So it easily can be extrapolated on if you understand the root in the first place. But as I said, if you don't understand the root, then going forward, well, you you know, it'll just be teaching the shape of the asana. And that's nothing. And it doesn't matter whether you've experienced the shape in your own body or not. It's what goes on inside that visible shape that matters, right? The essence, right? The essence of the stretch, which is always a balanced, balanced stretch between a number of opposing forces pulling back into the body to create a structural integrity of its own, right? So, yes, sometimes experience helps, but as I mentioned, often experience actually gets in the way and it blinds you to the, the, the reasonable tightnesses in the individual's body. So what I want to say is you're not a fraud if you can't do the shapes, all the shapes, anymore or even if you've not done all those shapes and you're teaching to other students all you need is conviction integrity and honesty right and then also to be honest and say i've not done this you know i've had this many times when i've had to say not had to say i've said i you know without any problem at all i've not done it i've done personally i did a to the end of advanced a in mysore um i haven't really touched on apart from the first couple of postures advanced b and so when, te- when students have come, are very, very open and uh, gifted, let's say, uh, physically, and have asked advanced B teaching, I've had to say, well, I can help you with this, but I don't know the postures. I haven't done them in my own body. I can look at what you're doing and give pointers, under, trying, to, trying to make the links of what I've done. Right? But essentially, that's also to kind of, I would say, shortchange ourselves as teachers that we're just there to assert authority as the best one in the room when as i mentioned really what we are is the backbone of support of nurturing of holding a space of encouraging right of showing a commitment of showing of showing showing ourselves as a role model right of something that can be done and and you know and to that end also showing our humanness and our vulnerability as as a real person with our you know with real struggles to asanas and real struggles to daily practice potentially, you know, because that's what I think people really want to see. I did at least as a student. Is a real person there as a teacher, admitting and being honest about their real life struggles, and that inspired me to see someone who was doing it anyway, who was able to exert that sense of willpower and commitment against the challenges of material life and challenges of body and challenges of conditioning and body energy and carry on anyway against all odds you know on a daily level on a daily level right so whether you can do or not do the shapes i really don't think worry too much about all of them you have to have some working knowledge of all the primary series i would suggest i would suggest that but outside that what you really need is the humility and the interest to look to extrapolate from the essence of each movement you're doing. And that will stand you in good stead, I believe. So don't push yourself. 
to injury to be the best. And don't hold back students who are better than you. Encourage them to be better than you. What you want is the student to outstrip the master. And that is my proudest day when that happens. Yeah. And that should be. That should be the way it is. So have an open heart with it. And keep giving. And keep being honest. And keep looking at what is actually being done in the posture. And how to develop out of those fundamental roots. As always, let me know what you think of these thoughts. I'm sure you've got ideas and thoughts to offer me as well. And it's a two-way street. That's why I do these podcasts to to interest myself (laughs) and you, I hope, and inspire a conversation. So I look forward to hearing from you. And I'll see you or hear from you again soon.